0: We're back with St. Pete's Pearls. It is Wednesday, April 29th. A little late getting back to the job, I guess. It was was difficult for me, actually. Uh, Like I said, last week I took off to go camping for a few days. It was beautiful out there. I went down towards Moab. I'm going to say on private land because I'm not sure what the camping regulations are. On public lands these days. We were on private land camping, enjoying the scenery, uh, the quiet outdoors, and the beautiful Moab night sky. It was a new moon, no moon in sight. Uh, stars were bright, beautiful. Surrounding scenery was gorgeous. Could look right into Moab, had snow capped mountains right to the back of us. Dogs enjoyed it. Myself and April enjoyed it immensely. And I recommend anybody out there to, if they can, take take a break. Get outside. Get out of your house for a little while. It was so quiet and serene out there, especially some moments. There were no animals, no wind. It was dead silent. Something only a desert environment could provide for a lack of, of sound. But how needed? How needed that was? Because it was a break from... From our screens, all the noise and messages, a lot of which are not good coming from these devices. So to, to put those down and get outside was rejuvenating. There are effects that are measurable, you know, that lend towards your well-beingness, if that's a word. Dave Steyer, David Steyer, down here at University of Utah, some of his work was featured in an audible program, like I mentioned on here, before the three-day effect. And they took people who would suffer from PTSD outside and they would have measurable effects. And then they would also come away with a lot of anecdotal evidence saying that these people were able to develop a like a better sense of resiliency. Right? I, we overuse this term now already, but for lack of better terms they have a a tool set a skill that they can dip back into when need be Um, and also they know that taking a trip outdoors for an extended period of time helps bring back some sense of peace and realignment if you will anyways we had fun out there and i recommend anybody who is cooped up and just sick of being cooped up to get out find a place you can go camping take the risk It's worth it. I mean, don't camp around a lot of people and don't get hurt and end up in a hospital. I talked to a cop down there and I asked him why the no camping restrictions. It just, that seems like an obvious, that's no better way to social distance. And how he explained it to me, especially in an area such as like Moab, is that there is a lot of recreation that happens and just inherent with a lot of recreation is a lot of injury. Public health wise, facilities can't, take the risk right they lose a bed when somebody twists or breaks an ankle they lose resources and also now they expose more people in one of those places where the coronavirus would be more prevalent so for those reasons it's not worth not worth allowing the camping to happen so i say that to say that go camping just be safe don't do any crazy outdoors just enjoy the peaceful outdoors. And if you do go camping and do get hurt, try to find a bigger hospital, I guess. I don't know. A lot of camping spots are in rural areas, so careful. Self-aid and buddy care. Wrap up your own ankle. Wait it out until COVID's done, I guess. But I hope you enjoyed the rest of the show. <laughs> what else is new since I went away? Not new. I came across this on... My social media, I guess uh, One of the local comics here From Ogden area He put a, a meme out there Podcasting is like The 90s, the tattoo of the 90s <laughs> Made me giggle Made me think, like, what, what is he saying? Like what, like, like, what he's saying, I think, is uh, Everybody's got him I think that's what he's saying But what I like, what I like about That message, I think it's kind of true Podcasts are like the tattoos of the 90s. They serve to try to make uninteresting people interesting. Just like the tattoos he got. And how that works is that he has to explain those tattoos. Like at first, like, oh yeah, I got the skull and crossbones because I'm badass. Well, no, you're not. That's stupid. But you find cleverer ways of saying that or other reasons why you got it. Or maybe you start to look, oh, well, why did I get it? And you realize there was some deep pain that you just had to bring to the surface of your skin or, or you believed in something so strongly that you had to throw it in permanently. And I hope you still believe that stuff today. Or it's interesting, right? You'll be an interesting person on how that story has morphed for you because now you have to morph that story. Or we'll cover up an ex's name or whatever you have to do with the tattoos. But those uninteresting people, the ones that just kind of flip through a book and just, hey, I want this, because all their friends are doing the same thing. right? Boring, but I guess if you dig deeper down, there's a bigger story. What was that whole day that led up to that or a series of events that would even lead you to a decision, making a haphazard decision that way? We all like to be reckless. I get it. But then you tell that story over and you don't tell the same story. You add flavor. You add different you emphasize different points, and you become interesting that way. Some people. Some people just, huh, same old story, I was dumb, I was drunk, and eh, now I got a star on my ass. But there's something powerful in storytelling, and what what's powerful in it is refining that message. My dad tells me all the time, this podcast sounds like an AA meeting. It may be so, because a lot of why I do this is The inspiration I got from doing that ten steps to resiliency program, my friend Laura and Amy built. Laura put a lot of a lot of experience from the twelve step program and Al Anon program that she was in. Right, she wasn't the alcoholic, but she still found the resources available and the program helpful for her to cope with people who had those issues in her life. And she's built that into climate change resiliency because a lot of it applies. We say it's Alcoholics Anonymous, but these skills, this is all storytelling. It's how we refine ourselves. Is that we look at ourselves or a situation and tell it, and tell it again until it makes a little more sense on why this situation is the way it is. It is what Laura aims to do with expressing the grief and approaching the anxiety that comes from examining the implications of... Climate change, right? Or the impacts of climate change. It's tough to look at. One of the most powerful pieces of art I saw out there actually was, it was a collection of just scientists' faces. You know, climate scientists' faces. Nothing more, just photos, headshots, portraits. To see the concern, right? That was the point of, of the art project was, and it, It was able to convey the concern, the worry, some of the deep despair. Humans are innately able to pick out emotions on faces. That's powerful. That was an evolved trait. It's a cognitive bias. However you want to look at it, humans are able to see that. And a lot of these emotions are unmaskable, especially when we are willing to process those emotions, right, which Laura's program helps to do. But I, I found that really powerful. But storytelling is power, whether it's through art or through words. Through the art on your skin, the words you speak, the message you come with. If you don't want to join an AA program, if you don't want to start a podcast, and you don't want to go through the pain of a tattoo, try a program like Toastmasters, a group like Toastmasters. Or another leadership course that would make you get up and tell your story, a story, your direction, your goal, over and over again. That's what's built into those leadership programs is define your goal, redefine your goal, tell it again. Continual improvement, all those Six Sigma programs at work, just do it, refine it, tell it better. That's what it's all about. We look to encourage all those acts here on this podcast. So keep joining us. Most every weekday, when I'm not lazy and need to be kicked back into gear. Had to kick myself into gear today just by singing karaoke and and wetting the mic again. Get used to it. When you do a public speech, you're supposed to get out, walk the stage before anybody gets out there. Get used to your space. Before a band goes on and jams with their equipment, they they warm up. They play scales or whatever they do to to prepare. But I had to get used to the equipment, right? Ramp back up into work mode, I guess. Get back on the mic. So karaoke helped. You got to trick yourself sometimes, whatever it takes, right? Get in dancing mode. Get ready to groove. Have fun at what you do. Else, why do it? Because somebody's making you because you need to make money. Sure, but still, how do you have fun doing it? Right? That's a matter of perspective. I've, I've been at jobs when I've been miserable and known people to love it. I've been at jobs when I've loved it and known other people who were miserable. And for me, the jobs that I've loved have been some of the most miserable jobs. Oh, the filling sandbags. Oh, I, I'd rather have done that than sit in a cubicle all day every day. Granted, if I was being paid the same. And in the military, you were. So I loved the days when I got to go do stupid stuff like that. Let me go wipe down gym equipment on, a <laughs> on some kind of detail. right? Mean, the details that are hard are the ones that make you get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And but usually those things, you go sit on a flight line and nap anyways in a cop car. So it's not really difficult and you get paid the same. So let me do those BS tasks. I'll go shoot the breeze with Officer Crumkey or whatever. Private Smith, private parts. Show me the cool stuff cop cars can do. Go places I usually can't on the base because we're in a cop car. I don't know, find ways to like make that switch to make it fun. We're not slaves yet. We're not chained up on a chain gang. Unless you work for Amazon. I think they put you in cages and don't let you off the bathroom breaks. So, But if you do work at Amazon, you can have fun with even that. Dress up as a rock star from a 1980s big hair band, the tight leather and dance in the cage. Make a TikTok amongst you and your, video, you and your employees. Well, maybe you can't make a TikTok because I think they make you check your phone in at the door so people can't see the work conditions in there. Reminds me of, like, they don't want the phones in those meat processing plants either. Anyway, we got a good show. I'm going to have a quick... uh, Our reading today is going to be from Walter Isaacson. He's the guy who did some of the more notable people's profiles, I guess. The biographies of Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, Albert Einstein. But he also has a book called American Sketches, which are just little essays of, you know, prominent people that he has... Done work on. And today we're going to be looking at a piece or an excerpt from one of his essays, Einstein's God. Okay, today's reading is from Walter Isaacson's American Sketches. This piece is Einstein's God. And it starts with a little italicized primer, I guess, about the article, what it is, or the excerpt. So this says, When my biography of Einstein was published in 2007, Time decided to do an excerpt. They chose a section that explored Einstein's religious beliefs. Both atheists and people of faith tried to claim Einstein. As he had showed us with the case of all things in the universe, the reality is more complex. And then the article starts. He was slow in learning how to talk. My parents were so worried, he later recalled, that they consulted a doctor. Even after he had begun using words, sometime after the age of two, he developed a quirk that prompted the family maid to dub him Der Deperte, the dopey one. Whenever he had something to say, he would try it out on himself, whispering it softly until it sounded good enough to pronounce aloud. Every sentence he uttered, his worshipful younger sister recalled. No matter how routine, he repeated it to himself softly moving his lips. It was all very worrying, she said. He had such difficulty with language that those around him feared he would never learn. His slow development was combined with a cheeky rebelliousness toward authority, which led one schoolmaster to send him packing and another to amuse history by declaring that he would never amount to much. These traits made Albert Einstein the patron saint of distracted school kids everywhere, But they also helped to make him, or so he later surmised, the most creative scientific genius of modern times. His cocky contempt for authority led him to question received wisdom in ways that well-trained acolytes in the academy never contemplated. In as far for his slow verbal development, he thought that it allowed him to observe with wonder the everyday phenomena that others took for granted. Instead of puzzling over mysterious things, he puzzled over commonplace things. The ordinary adult never bothers his head about the problems of space and time, he once explained. These are things he has thought of as a child, but I developed so slowly that I began to wonder about space and time only when I was already grown up. Consequently, I probed more deeply into the problem than an ordinary child would have. Einstein's awe in regarding the laws of nature and his rebellious attitude toward authority also shaped his religious outlook. It initially led him to rebel against his parents' secularism. Then it caused him to reject the concept of religious ritual and of a personal god who intercedes in the daily workings of the world. And then, finally, he was able to settle comfortably into a spiritual and religious deism, one based on what he called the... Spirit manifest in the laws of the universe in a sincere belief in a God who reveals himself in the lawful harmony of all that exists. I hate that. A God who reveals himself in the lawful harmony of all that exists. And I think as it goes on the rest of the article, there's some hints to kind of the point that the way he looked at Things like that harmony he saw was there was a beautiful harmony that couldn't be explained. He could map out these things that were being perceived or witnessed, but in unexplainable quality, I guess. Which he saw is the harmony. I like that because it points to like it also signals to what I like a lot, right? This is what I like about you know, Buddhist principles and the Pope's view, right? There's interconnectedness. You see that reflected? And how Einstein approached approach religion. I like that. Um but how that fit I how I think this fits his this story fits into how we opened today. Like this idea of our story's refinement. You know what what Einstein said made him one of the most creative genius, you know, science geniuses of modern age, our modern times, is the refinement, I guess, of his ideas, right? He thought things over. He was slow to develop his ideas before he would come out with them. Now, he took that extreme approach. Now, other people go whacking about it. You know, this is kind of like me a lot of the times, and a lot of people, right? We just go hack about life trying to refine it. He did it very introspectively. I'm right. He did it all in his head, and whatever that was, I'm, I'm probably you could probably read in saying so he's on the spectrum or or whatever. However you want to look at it, but how he looked at it, the refinement of those ideas, those stories he told himself over and over again, whispering to himself, right? And he did it out loud. He whispered it to himself before displaying And then so when he said it, it was profound all that time refining his thoughts. And and the other thing I like is his childlike approach to it. You know, he kept that child mentality, the way he, the things he would look at and the way he looked at them. Very childlike. It's what I like the idea of about playing instruments and why urge anybody out there who hasn't picked up music before any instrument play or a sport play, be a child again. Um, in, in the sense where you are learning something new. Not just running around, twirling around for the sake of twirling around. But learning a new activity. A new skill. That is very childlike. Because kids are always learning something new. And they discover so much about themselves. And this is what goes into storytelling. And being having a childlike approach. And that was our reading. Again, that was... Uh, Walter Isaacson's Einstein's God. I got it from the book called American Sketches. I picked that up at a university bookstore on sale for like I think it was like a buck or two bucks. Ah, I like catching good book sales. Recommend you pick up a copy of any one of his biographies. Are great. I got a few of myself. Um, they're a little. Scary to look at, but I think half of the book is footnotes. So if you don't care about those, you can just read the book fairly quickly and feel accomplished because it is a bigger looking book. Uh, American Sketches is a lot easier to digest. But if you don't want to pick up any of them, I like to point out highlights from books I got laying around. I don't want them to go to waste, so I like sharing them with you. So if you don't want to even go out there and spend the money, Pick up a few little pearls from the books that I like to share. Anyways, moving on. All right. So that was a little bit about, uh, I guess, Einstein's view in, uh, of God and religion. Seems he's somewhat spiritual, I guess that you people would call it today, and how, however he connects. He just understands that there's, like, an unexplained element. As like, I think a lot of scientists get to that point, right? At the edge that there's an unknown and... People call that God. And some people are able to put away, you know, put aside the rituals and programs that come along, but still can see that, yeah, sure, it's something we don't get to whatever end. I wasn't too religious. I wasn't raised too religious growing up. Like I said, I left at like 11. I stopped going to church, except for, you know, the holiday, Easter, Christmas, death and weddings, those kind of Catholics. But doesn't mean, like, even as a kid, like, I started to deter, like, even before I left the church then, I was, like, before I was even questioning or just not digging, digging a Bible, and I kind of turned to Aesop's Fables. Like, I was explaining, like, Aesop's Fables was, you know, kind of like the allegories and stories in the Bible. Like, meant to teach a moral lesson. And Aesop's Fables are all, like, animal characters and... You know, when I was younger, I think I probably looked at it a lot. Uh, like when I watched Looney Tunes, that was probably like how pictured how people who, you know, believed the Bible word for word pictured life. You know, in a year one or whatever zero. I don't know. Maybe I was raised on Aesop's fables. I was also raised with like everything was like a quick aphorism. If any 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 life mystery had to be explained in those. Generic term. Maybe that's why I like these like John C. Maxwell kind of leadership quote things. And kind of how I was spoke to and and raised. It was a quick, go ponder this for a little bit, kid. I don't know, but I, I kind of developed a sense for creating my own aphorisms. I'm a you know, I like to do poetry, I like to create things, take ideas, mix them around. So I I guess that's what I want to leave you with for this section today. The wise words of Steve St. Peter. This is on wanting more. If you want more than you have, take good care of the things you've got. If you do that, you'll find you have a whole lot more than you thought. So go ponder that. Uh, That's what I like to do with this podcast. Uh, I like to take little excerpts of books I spent two bucks on and, and create something shareable with the people I enjoy, uh, with all my friends and family out there. I told you I, I started the day by doing karaoke. One of the songs I did was Superman's Dead by Our Lady Peace, you remember that one? I like the end. And, and I never really thought about it until today when I was kind of like, I'm going to read in the lyrics. Uh, the world's a subway, subway, right? The world is subway Not the subway sandwich shop, right, where everything's made to order We're all in transit, right, through this world A lot of religions will say that, right, you do your time on Earth Or even if not, you're just in transit, you're part of that Earth You're going back into it, dust to dust And if that's it, lights out good That's the final destination Whatever that final des- destination is the world's a subway, you're in transit, people are going around, there's a lot of interactions happening. I don't know, now I don't know what you want or what you have, but do you display leadership qualities in, in the subway, right? Imagine you're walking through a subway with your child. There's a lot of activity, a lot of different characters in that subway. Different circumstances, different destinations, a lot of them. Everybody's unique situation. How do you explain to your child some of these people's situation? Do you, ex- do you say, do not go near this person? He's sketchy. Or, or do you walk over or try to understand that person? Right? Do you is it lend a hand as you walk by uh, with something that you might have? I don't. I walk by a lot of that all the time. We all do. You have to. You can, Help everybody out, you'd never get anywhere. You picked up every piece of litter. I've, I've watched people walk through the neighborhood and pick up litter. A friend of mine on Facebook just kind of said he started doing that about a month ago on trail walks. Now, if you did that to every piece of trash you ever saw, you'd never get anywhere. Right? You can't do it all. But do you, now when you walk by people that you cannot help in the subway with your child, as you walk by these people, these humans, do you ever make... Your child think these other humans are a piece of trash that you can walk by? You I hope not. If so, I wonder what, uh, you know, I really question if you are religious, what religion that is. I don't think Einstein would be one of those people. He was playful. He was childlike. If you've ever seen children, they are very open and friendly. A thing I like about Einstein is that he liked to help humanity progress. And maybe too fast because didn't we get the atom bomb or something like that from him? And Buyer beware, right? But again, his intention was good try to help progress humanity in a certain direction. He did so by sharing ideas and information, uh, stories, his thoughts, with people, being open and friendly. Anyways, and I hope you display that when walking in the subway with your children. Well, the world here. So that's it. Moving on. Speaking of the world... And I, I've brought up with well, my friends Lauren and Amy's program and the Good Grief Network that is aimed to help people digest the realities surrounding climate change. Now, climate change is something not a reality to everybody for whatever reason, not enough anecdotal and evidence. Based information out there, I guess. I don't know. There is. There's plenty of information out there. You choose to believe it or not. I don't know. That's on you. I don't. I don't care. I just urge people to always act in a way that you know makes life sustainable for generations to come, not just like ourselves. Right. This is the idea about the golden rule that I like. Is right. Treat everybody. Born now or never, right? Or to yet to come. Especially if you believe that like, that's a right of people to be born, right? Well, a lot of people do. Right? Act in a way where they have a comfortable life going forward, because right now we currently globally don't. It's becoming increasingly uncomfortable for us to live on this, this earth of ours. That we are stewards of. And whether you believe it is a g- act greater than our control. Individually, yes, of course it's greater than our control, but is our act, our collective individual acts that lend into climate change being as big of an issue as it is. And they know this, and they know this in middle school because I was shopping at Costco, one of my favorite stores, one of like the three stores I shop at. And I like those little handy dandy everything you need to know to ace science, English, math. Whatever it is, in one fat notebook. I got like the whole collection. You know, like from the smartest kids in middle school. If you got their notes. condensed. I really they're fun to they're fun to go through, nice little refreshers. And you know what? Here's a little pearl that I realized I went for a master's degree in sustainability, so I would be able to talk about climate change in a way that would help people understand. I was wondering why we have a hard time realizing this truth. And there's a lot to be said to that, and good thing my undergrad was in communications because truth is questionable because of our communication our communication skills uh, media digesting skills right what we allow to come across our airwaves to be channels of communication these are a public good if used for good right right so i go to school and spend i don't spend money it was the government's money because you know the military gi bill was very helpful for myself and not having to pay for a lot of school and anyways you know you don't have to pay for a lot of school to get the knowledge right these little books are helpful and it condenses climate change like everything I try to digest and would like to say is said perfectly in like two pages on on this because all the evidence in the world doesn't matter except for s- to scientists and analytical minds who already probably have more of that information than I would be willing to give them We're able to give them. Because I like more kind of anecdotal and fun stories and ways to convey it. Anyways, they say this about climate change. Climate change, there is a lot we don't know about our complex global climate system. I like that. There is a lot we don't know about our complex global climate system. Okay, so not everything's explained so we don't have a definite answer what everybody would love to have well we don't. Anyways. But scientists agree that atmospheric particles, solar radiation, and the Earth's movement and greenhouse gases affect climate change on a global scale. The climate, the climate has changed numerous times throughout the Earth's history and it will continue to do so. How we understand, react to, and adapt to a changing climate will determine our ability to live on earth. How we understand, react to, and adapt to a changing climate. If we are to understand this, we need to put this up in the priority box, don't we? If we want to react to it in any meaningful way, And right now, we are no doubt in the mode of adaptation. And whether you like it or not, I mean, this coronavirus COVID 19 gave a jump start to maybe some adaptive measures and reactionary measures we could be taking. We've slowed activity down. We're okay right now. We've lived like a month like this. Okay? We can adapt. We can react. It's just how we do it. How we understand to do it and the priority we put of this going forward. Anyways. And then it explains what some of those other things it was talking about. The particles, the radiation, and the Earth's movements. And these are things that middle schoolers are taught and understand. And I think we as adults should understand them. So atmospheric particles. When solid and liquid particles get into the atmosphere, they create an amount of cloud cover and blocks the sun's radiation from warming the earth. Although humans add particles to the environment through pollution, there are natural processes that also are that also add particles to the atmosphere like meteorite collisions, forest fires, and volcanic explosions which spew ash and dust into the atmosphere. So we understand, yes, there are natural processes that create changes to our climate, of course. This whole globe is moving. The ground under our feet is moving. The earth under that ground is moving. Things shift around and change naturally on different scales. But the amount of force that humans now have, the impact, anyways... But solar radiation changes. The sun doesn't always radiate the same amount of energy. The sun sometimes gets sun spots, which are dark spots on the sun. There is some correlation between solar energy given off and global temperatures. This is the one thing I do not like about this set of notes. But it's a middle schooler, right? So you can't get mad. There is some correlation between solar energy given off and global temperatures. Yeah, no, there's absolute correlation because the sun's energy warms the earth, hits the earth. But I think, I, I mean, I guess what they were saying is in those, they can measure some of those changes have effect to some degree. Okay. And the earth's movement, so earth's movement, Currently, the Earth is tilted to 23.5 degrees on its axis. In the past, it has been tilted more or less. The Earth's tilt can affect the climate because the sun rays strike the Earth at different angles depending on its tilt. Also, throughout the Earth's history, the movements of continents, oceans, and mountains have caused climate changes in localized areas. Like I said, the ground underneath our feet is moving. The Earth is moving. It's tilted. It's tilted. We know that gives us seasons, and, and that can affect, but very slowly, right? It doesn't shift. It's not wobbling out of control. It would probably be a lot dizzier. So, now greenhouse gases. Green this is a big one. Certain gases like carbon dioxide, sulfur dioxide, and others trap heat in the atmosphere. The greenhouse effect is the warming of the atmosphere by gases that trap heat. On one hand, greenhouse gases are essential because... They trap heat and allow plants and animals to survive, such as at night when it's colder. The carbon cycle, like the water cycle, has kept the amount of carbon in our global ecosystem fairly constant over a long period of time. Processes such as forest fires, volcanic eruptions, and the respiration of organisms have all added to the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. Meanwhile, Absorption by plants in the oceans have taken carbon out of it. Since the late 18th century, however, people have mined and burned enough fossil fuels for transportation, electricity use, etc. to increase CO2 levels way beyond their historically normal range. And this is that if you ever seen like the Inconvenient Truth or any of these graphs when they show this big huge hockey stick that's the hockey stick that they're showing that 18th century period to now that spike in co2 has not been recorded in millions of years if i don't think levels of levels like that have never been recorded and it is due to human activity right we are constantly siphoning fossil fuels out of the earth Exhausting them into our atmosphere, right? And they're sticking around. And what was already a balanced-ish system, right, that the planet has perfected over millions of years, it doesn't happen like that. Those wobbles don't happen as quickly. Biological systems do not adjust as fast as the technological exacerbation, I guess, of... The human processes? But that's the hockey stick. Because fossil fuels take hundreds of millions of years to form, this carbon isn't being absorbed fast enough to balance the amount that humans are adding. By using evidence, experiments, and historical data stretching back hundreds of thousands of years, scientists have determined that the emissions of greenhouse gases are causing global warming, which is causing an increase in the overall temperature of the Earth's atmosphere. This increase in greenhouse gases is changing our climate. The Earth's average climate has been warming at a scary rate, and some effects are ice caps melting, sea levels arising, forest fires, habitat changes, extreme weather events, and patterns. And those, are, those examples are all things that we have seen in our lifetime, my lifetime. For sure. It's disheartening when you go on the NASA websites and they have the satellite pictures of the Earth's ice caps over these time-lapse photos of how the Earth has changed in our lifetime. And to know that historically these changes have taken a lot longer period, more than one person's lifetime, to occur. And if they ever did occur abruptly, it was because of something like a huge impact and global scale like a meteorite. The impact of that or the growth of life. and extreme weather events, we've seen our tropical storms, hurricanes, tsunamis, whatnot, ramp up. The patterns are shifting. They, they argue the climate change isn't real. Global warming isn't real because it gets colder longer. Some places, yeah, some places. Overall global climate shifting. Weather patterns are a whole lot different. Those cold spurts, those ice, right, the snowballs you can bring into a Congress floor. An idiot. Weather is different than climate. And they teach that to 7th and 8th graders. And it's about time that some adults take some lessons from the kids on that, on that front. One good thing is that the youth are now voting more. More engaged Thank you Bernie Sanders Thank you AOC Thank you anybody Who gets them engaged I guess Thank you Trump For getting the youth engaged Doesn't take It doesn't take Just a hero to follow But also a villain to conquer Sad But true Alright till tomorrow